I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and Av, there's no defecation here. And I'm Av Sedensky, and Alex, beneath all your dark clothes, I see a pretentious man. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 10, Episode 5, Insufficient Praise, which originally aired on February 16th, 2020. Uh, Av, in last week's episode, or in the previous episode, I should say, I remarked at the top that it was the shortest amount of time between us recording episodes. Now it's been the longest. Um, I think we skipped a week one time before, um, like the end of the year, one year. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is I think this is the second time. Um, this is also a distinctive episode because I believe this is the first episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that one of us has already podcasted about. Mm. Did I podcast about this? You did. You uh, did. You uh, you joined uh, Rob and Akiva and Josh Wiggler on the Post Show Recaps podcast when this originally aired. Um, when at, at the time we were a mere three weeks into this podcast, um, and you know you, uh, you you foreshadowed the day when uh, ninety seven episodes from then, which ended up being one hundred seven episodes from then, which you didn't know at the time, uh, we you would be returning to this episode, and here we are. Oh, I oh I did. I I, I pumped uh, pretty 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 good. You did. We had just started. So, you know, oh. you were introduced as the as the host of the new podcast. Pretty, pretty, pretty oh, nice. Good. Oh, I yeah. should have listened to that. Um, <laughs> maybe I can just edit all my takes from there and drop them into here. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if your takes are the same. I'll do my best. Uh, I listened to that episode. So I'll do my best to uh, recall if you uh, if you veer too far from your takes. But, you know, as, we, as we've seen in the past, uh, Chester's are nothing if not consistent. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm very interested to see how I how I rated the episode then and how I rate the episode now. So, um, OK, yeah, we'll find out. Hmm. All right, let's jump right in. Yeah, let's jump in. Uh, Season 10, episode five, insufficient praise. Uh, We'll see if the praise we give to this episode is uh, sufficient. As we start out in Larry's garage, Larry and Leon hanging out and Larry's going through his old baseball gloves. And, you know, he's reminiscing about his old times playing baseball as a child. Um, Leo, Leon remarks that uh, that's a polio glove. Anyone that had a glove like that must have had polio. Yeah. Uh, Larry then uh, retrieves a uh, mink fur coat, which uh, which is referred to throughout this episode as a stole, which is a word I had never heard before. Um, so a stole is is not a coat. My understanding is stole is when it's almost like it's almost like a, a scarf, but it's thicker than a scarf. It's sort of like a wraparound, but uh-huh. you don't like insert your arms into it, for example. Got it. Okay. That's so cool. yeah, I was uh, Vince Lombardi. I was reading a Vince Lombardi documentary over Passover, as one does. And um, when they won the first championship, he bought stoles for the wife of every player on the team. Oh, that's very nice of him. Yeah. And there's a picture of uh, all the ladies with their stoles, their championship stoles. Oh, championship stoles. Okay, that's even better. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so Larry takes this mink out, and then he talks about how he's going to take it to the dry cleaner, which is straight out of Seinfeld, of course. Although yeah. here it never actually happens. Uh, yeah, well, I guess you realize that he didn't have the, the ticket. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, he, he you know, talked about how it was his mom's, and, he, you know, he wants to keep it. Um, Leon thinks that these types of coats are uh, coming back into fashion. Um, guys who guys who will call the girls who wear them toots, and the girls will say "poopoopadoo." I don't even know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, yeah. This is clearly <laughs> uh, JB Smooth just making shit up, uh, you know, as the recording. And uh, and Larry seems to quiet. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some good laughs with Larry there. Um, okay, so we get a text from Jeff um, inviting Larry to Clive Owen. And his new one man show, uh, Larry fills in Leon that Jeff is so excited that he assigns Clive Owen as a client. It's a big fucking deal, Leon says. Um, it, is a, it is a big deal. You know, Jeff finally has a second client. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I know we've discussed this many times before, but the idea that Jeff says, I have a potential client and what I need to clinch the deal is to involve Larry David in this relationship. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what you said last night. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, listen, when you only have one client, you know, you don't have any other references. So, um, right. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, he maybe it's more like the, the, the Broadway angle, you know, recent uh, star of Fatwa, former star of the producers. He doesn't, you know, Clive maybe doesn't even have heard of that Seinfeld. 
so yeah, so uh, the doorbell rings and it's Lionel the Postman making an early uh, appearance in this week's episode. Yep. And uh, he uh, wishes Larry a great, a big good day with, uh, with a grin as he hands over a package, uh, which Larry opens and inside discovers an inflatable sex doll that uh, Larry can only conclude has been sent to him by Freddie Funkhauser, Marty's half brother, which so yes. we do. So we do get uh, an identification of uh, who Freddie is. I know that's something that we had been trying to solve for a while now. Um, so I guess this is the uh, yeah, Freddie Funkhauser origin story. Yeah. So basically, Marty's dad had a child with another woman, and that child is Freddie. Uh, that's what it seems like. I guess it could also be his mother had a child with another woman, right? That, well, that no, but then her name well. wouldn't be Funkhauser. So um, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. May- maybe she had maybe her maiden name was Funkhauser, too. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was maybe it was like a, a cousin. Yeah. It's in, <laughs> some in, in, you know, inbreeding would, would explain yeah. a lot of he's my half brother and my first cousin. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, this must be some kind of stuck, stuck, some kind of joke. Classic Freddie, as we know. Mm, yes. Um, Always sending inter- sex dolls in the mail. Yeah. Um, on on the on the podcast that you recorded last time, Akiva was speculating that he 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 believed that a lot of the dialogue or the scenes with Freddie were probably um, filmed later when they realized Marty wasn't available. Yeah, because um, he said it's, it appears that all the times that people refer to Freddie, that it was that it must have been dubbed in because like you don't see anyone talking while it happens. I, I didn't examine that too closely, but um, that would make some sort of sense. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like it's probably right. Yeah. So uh, Larry orders Leon to, to get rid of the doll. He doesn't want something like that in his house. So then we very cla- very classic, um, you know, Bond villain where do you actually do it yourself? No, you just, you know, assume it'll get done. And you'll get done. <laughs> right, right. Um, you should reveal your whole plot to the, uh, yes. the dollar as you try to get rid of it. Um, OK, so we head over to Latte Larry's and Larry is working with his contractor and he explains to him the manners in which he would like to redesign the urinal system. Yeah, he has he has some concepts written down on paper. Um, the first and foremost is that he doesn't want any splashes or puddles and he well, wants that a part's system, good. Yeah, he wants a system yeah. where the urinator's feet never touch the ground. Yeah. Um, he then also introduces this idea he has for what he calls the P cube, a chute that will come down and prevent uh, puddles from forming a sort of uh, urinal guillotine. Mm. Um, seems very dangerous. Yes. Um, and but, but uh, this uh, this plumber uh, played by Andrew Santino, who uh, I'm a big fan of from a variety of his shows and stand up. He uh, he seems very uh, uh, go with the flow. Uh, yeah. Pun intended. Yes. Yeah. No, he's he's game for whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he says, you know, so, yeah, so I'll, I, I can make that for you. No problem. Um, so, you know, we'll have we'll build two of these and then like three toilets over there. And the ladder's like, no, 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 no toilets, uh, just urinals. And he's like, well, you know, where will people go? Number two. And he's like, no defecation in this store. <laughs> if they want to defecate, they can go elsewhere. And uh, the contractor's like, okay, no problem. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there's uh, no uh, code uh, requirements to have toilets in a in a coffee shop, but fine. Uh, he even says that we can install a voice activated penis sensor to make sure that only urination is uh, engaged in here. Yes. So in walks Mocha Joe, and I mean, I mean, what what is what is your general take on on the uh, current technology of urinal design? I think it's fine. Yeah. Do, uh, do you like do you like when they have have you ever seen like the little soccer goalpost or sometimes they just have a, like a fly printed on there to uh, where to aim? Yes, I have seen that. Uh, I don't like the fly. The fly creeps me out a little bit. Mm. What about the soccer thing? I don't like that because I don't like the idea of, of peeing on something like plastic because I just feel like someone at some point has to take that out and clean it and then they got to touch. Uh, it. I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah, um, I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't my, like that my, main, my main requirements for a urinal are first of all, I want the I want the walls, the borders in between them. Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. And I and I definitely am not a fan of the trough. Well, no, I mean, that's not existent at this point. Yeah. If you go to Wrigley Field, maybe they have it. But yeah. like, that's about it. Um, or like some like really old camp. Yeah. I can't imagine those are still around. Yeah, I don't think they're constructing them new anymore. Hopefully. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. They don't yeah. seem extremely sanitary. Yeah. Um, OK, so in walks Mocha Joe. There's a, and- there's a Twitter account called. Um, and I, I may be getting the exact name right. It's it's it's, it's like a random photos, uh, sort of strange photos from nightclubs. Okay. And I don't follow it, but for some reason, it's always popping up in my feed lately. So maybe I liked one of them once by mistake or something. I should probably blame me along Musk for this. Um, so one of the pictures was a man uh, sleeping fully uh, in, in a trough, just uh, fast asleep. 
uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's that sounds like that could be like a whole like podcast, like just like f- understanding that story. What happened there? Yeah. Well, my dad, I, I think I've said this on podcast before. He claims he was at the um, the game, the Vikings Cowboys playoff game, which is not the Ice Bowl because that was between the Packers and Cowboys. Um, but a, a Vikings Cowboys playoff game where it was very, very famously extremely cold. And he actually wore his ah, this was this rolls in in many ways. He wore his mother's fur coat to the game to help stay warm. Um, and he claims that there were men in the bathroom with their feet in the trough as a way to defrost their frozen feet by sticking oh. in strangers urine, which oh. I find impossible to, you know, I mean, maybe if people are extremely drunk, it, 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 something about that sort of thing. Just go home. Just go home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't have to be there, especially if you know that the game ends with a Hail Mary, uh, the uh, the very first Hail Mary for the uh, for the wrong team. So, yes. Yeah, so just left early. yeah, you don't need to be there yeah, at, at the stage. You're so cold that you're warming your feet on other men's urine. That's uh, that's the point in the game right now. You should. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the type of thing you do, like, if you're in, like, a refugee camp or something. Like yes. That. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, there's no, like, barbed wire on the stadium. You're allowed to leave. Right. Just go home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Mo, finally, Mocha Joe walks in. Uh, he's joined by Ted Danson, and he informs Larry that Ted is his new financial backer. Uh, Larry is very surprised uh, that General Lee is up for such a challenge. And um, Ted says, yep, I'm here to spite your spite store. Uh, to which Larry replies, well, as I recall, General Lee was a loser. Um, and yeah, they uh, they uh, they head out now that Larry knows uh, that uh, Mocha Joe has upped the ante on him. So, you know, this is uh, this is really getting hot. We head over to the show. Um, Larry's with Jeff. He's watching the Clive one man show. And Larry's very impressed that he's really good. He, uh, and then he notes that there's a woman in the same row and she starts sobbing. And um, there's another one behind. She starts crying and like Larry can't believe it. People are crying everywhere. Mm. So, yeah, we continue. Uh, we continue at Jeff's house where the conversation continues. And Larry's telling Jeff that he really loved the show. He can't believe how many people were sobbing. And Larry asks Jeff, you know, can you pass along to Clive that, you know, I really love the show. And Jeff's like, forget that. Tell him yourself. And he hands over his cell phone. And, like Larry's like, ah, oh, you're always like trying to get me to do stuff like this. And uh, Larry uh, dials Clive. He leaves him a message saying that he enjoys the show. And um, By the way, I call bullshit. There's no way Clive Owen has his own voice on his outgoing voice message. Um, maybe. Well, maybe he has like two cell phones, like a professional one and a personal one. Yeah, but even people far, 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 far less famous than him. Like pe- people never have uh, people of any sort of renown never have their own voice on their outgoing voicemails. It's automated. Interesting. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I guess- just, it's just saying the number because you don't want people who accidentally call it to, you know, get access to your number. So. Right. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I guess even like many regular people just have the yeah. you've reached a voicemail box. Oh, yeah, exactly. Five, which is always annoying because it's like you don't know that you got the right number for sure. Yeah, but who's leaving voicemails anymore in 2022? Um, I sometimes do. But mm. yeah, fair enough. Um, OK, so Susie comes in and um, she sees Matilda, her new housekeeper, hard at work. She's ironing the napkins. And she, you know, tells her what a great job she's doing. You have so much initiative. I've never had a housekeeper like you. And Larry's super jealous because, you know, his house is a humongous mess. And like he wishes he had someone like that. And Susie tells him, well, you're in luck. Matilda's got an opening on Tuesday and Thursday if you want. Um, I'll hook you up. Now, Um, I do actually remember now that you said this, that I was on that podcast. I remember complaining at the time about how Larry and Susie treat this woman as if she's like some like bonded servant. And like she has no say on her schedule. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah she's like as long as um you, you know you leave me with my mondays and wednesdays you remember that those are mine no problem you can have the tuesdays and thursdays yeah and the other thing that she requests is that she keep him away from, she keep, he keep her away from leon to which larry says he, he that he makes no promises yes <laughs> all right so we uh head over to the magazine stands uh where larry is hanging out with freddie and he wants to know freddie uh why did you send a fuck doll to my house and Freddie's like, oh, I mean, they're pretty great. I mean, I have a couple. I figured you would like one. You know, it's a great gift. You know, you know, they're really great. I'm comfortable. I'm healthy. No disease. It feels good. You're connecting to something. You got a good imagination. It's the same thing. The doll is whatever you want it to be. Lowry suggests he should try necrophilia instead. And Freddie's like, well, I don't have to, because if I want to fuck a dead woman, I just go to the doll instead. Mm. Yeah. Larry uh, always has always been very, uh, you know, kink shaming and just very. Uh, I mean, Larry makes fun of Cheryl for being uh, uh, very prude, but he's uh, been the prudest yeah. one on the show. Yeah, he he certainly can be. Yeah. Um, he um, he then fills in Larry that Marty uh, is in China where he uh, found the girl. 
um, a Chinese girl, in fact, and he uh, sent some pictures via email. Mm, um, so yeah, so yeah, I think this is no the more last. Now. Yeah, I think this is the last we've uh, we hear reference to Marty in the show. Mm, very sad. Yeah. Um, the the stand owner then starts yelling at uh, Uncle Moak, who was along with Freddie, um, telling him to stop uh, browsing his porno magazines. Uh, Freddie goes over and says, don't worry, I'm going to buy. I'll buy a couple, you know, give you know, don't give him a hard time. And uh, Larry goes over to Moak and's like, hey, you know, all these uh, magazines that you're looking at, you don't really need. You can just get to them on the computer. And Moak's like, what are you talking about? He doesn't believe him at first. But Larry promises him that all the pornography in the world that he wants is just a click away. Mm. Um, does this count as a mitzvah? Larry teaching Uncle Moak about Internet porn? A humongous mitzvah. Yes. <laughs> Um, save, save them a lot of time I, I, I and recall, money. I recall this is how old you and I are. I guess the younger listeners won't even understand this concept. I remember in high school, the uh, trepidation involved with the, trying to go to a uh, magazine stand to buy a pornographic magazine. Yeah, well, I, to be to be frank, I, I probably if when I, when I had that opportunity, I more did what Uncle Moke did, which was, you know, hide in the back and try to browse until I got kicked out. Because mm, yeah. I don't think if I walked up with the magazine, I don't think they would have sold it to me. Well, I mean, not like at a Barnes and Noble, but like in a newsstand in New York City, they'd sell a tenny, but they don't care. Yeah, well, I was I didn't live in New York City. So. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, so this was something that came up on the podcast, uh, you know, five years ago or whatever it was. Um, you you noted that when you went on the Wikipedia page for this episode, which I don't think I don't I don't know, maybe the curb wiki, um, it referred to Uncle Moke as Uncle Mo, and you went and corrected it on the wiki page, which is interesting to me because we learn in season eleven that Larry that Larry has an Uncle Mo. It actually it that. said it actually it actually referred to him as Larry's Uncle Mo as opposed to Freddie's Uncle Moak. So some some was weird prescience from the false um, placement on the curb wiki of an, of Larry's Uncle Mo, which we I don't think we knew at that time that such a person even existed. Mm, that is we, um, I don't remember doing that, but if I said I did it, I guess I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we knew he had an Uncle Nathan who we meet back in season one. Yes, not a molester. Uh, well, not a lesser, but uh, not yes. in the eyes of the group. The group. Yes. One. Um, OK, any event, um, we head over for lunch with Larry and Lewis, and we are joined by Lewis's new girlfriend, Carol, played by the great Isla Fisher, mm. um, who uh, now now completes that. Uh, we've, we haven't had too many married couples appear on Curb. So now this is uh, one of them. Obviously, we have uh, the Dansons. Um, we've had the, uh, the married couple who were married on the show, who had the baby that Larry says is Chinese. Um, they are also married in real life. Um, this is now a third. I don't know if there was any other married couples that we've had on the show. I didn't do any research, but, uh, this is now at least three married couples that have appeared on the, on uh, curb. Um, and, um, Larry wants to know what Carol sees in Lewis. And uh, she tells him, beneath all those dark clothes, I see, and Larry interrupts, a pretentious man. A pretentious man. And they start grilling Lewis on why he's always wearing black clothes. He tells them that he's been a comic for so long and people expect it. Uh, Larry assures him nobody gives a fuck. Uh, nobody probably even notices that you're wearing black. Stop thinking you're Johnny Cash. And Carol starts to feel a little bit cold. So Larry asks the table next to them if he can turn on the heating lamp, which is very polite. Um, I guess they, you know, here they had, again, you know, anticipating COVID, you know, these heating lamps, uh, you know, obviously they existed before, but now obviously you see them everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I remember I bought one on Amazon because um, in 2020, whenever it was, and I got it, uh, one of my neighbors just told me, hey, they're going up in price, buy one quickly. And I bought one for $150. And then I told a group of my friends, and literally within minutes, one of them bought it for $250. And then one of them said there were none for less than $500. So like wow. there was like a day when all of a sudden everybody realized and quickly <laughs> bought these things. Yeah. And now I have it sitting in my yard and I'll like never use it because why would I hang outside when it's that cold? But <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. Why does Larry even ask the neighboring table at all? And also, why don't they just move the heater to the other side of their table, which would be away from the neighboring table and would also be right next to Carol? Like, none of that makes any sense. Yeah, they could do that. Although maybe it's like it's really heavy or bolted down. Who knows? Um, yeah. Why doesn't pretentious asshole Richard offer his black jacket to his girlfriend? That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, By the way, yeah, what so is they, your take on their debate? Is it worse to be hot or cold? Um, I think in general. Well, so it's, it's a good point because, you know, they have the right conversation. But then Larry adds on the wrinkle here, which you know, normally I agree. It is worse to be hot than cold for the reason that she says. Um, because you can take off stuff. Um, you can't take off stuff as well as you can put on stuff. But in this situation, they don't have anything to put on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
I think that like being cold is more intrusive. Like it makes it like much harder to enjoy, you know, hanging out with people. It's like you're freezing. Like you can't even like you just want to leave. If you're hot, like it's uncomfortable, but I think more bearable. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think that's also speaking to like we live in an, in an area, part of the world where it's more frequently to be uncomfortably cold and uncomfortably warm. Right. Like yeah. I know, mean, my per- my personal preference is like I'd rather be cold and hot. Like I, I tend yeah. to be you know, have a, a like a higher body temperature, I guess, or whatever the word is, um, where I'm more often hot than cold in a given situation. And like, as long as it's like in the forties, I'm fine. You know, once it gets below that, I start getting cold. Hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, if, if I get very sweaty and hot when it gets, you know, like into the eighties already, or even sometimes in the mid seventies, I'm just like, oh, I wish it was like, like I like sixties. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But extremely hot is very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, finally, Larry realizes that he has the stole sitting in his car and he's going to run and retrieve it to her. And, you know, he, he gives it over to Carol. She's very thankful. And she starts uh, telling the story of how, you know, this really reminds her of a stole that her mother had. And, um, you know, until one day when her and her father got run over by a train chasing after it and, and it fell on the tracks and she starts crying. And Larry is so moved by the story that he tells her, you know what, why don't you just keep the stole? It's, you know, enjoy it. Yeah, it's such a weird bullshit story from Carol, because, like, I think the default assumption reaction from that story would not be you should have the stole. It'd be the opposite. Like, you never want to see it again. It would remind you of your mother's painful death. Like, get this stole out of the way. Like, get away, away, right. Larry. I don't want to see it. Right. Like the like the cardigan that reminds yes. Larry of Cheryl. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, like it's a trigger warning. Like when I see a stole, it, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she, she says, uh, you know, I gotta go. I just got a message from work. I got to head out. Um, you know, it's too bad that we couldn't really have an opportunity to have lunch. And Larry's like, wow, you know, that's so traumatic. I can't believe that story. Like, what does she do anyway? And Lewis tells Larry, oh, she's a professional crier for, you know, TV shows, funerals, stuff like that. Uh, and Larry, Larry's like immediately like, I can't believe that I just fell for that. You know, she obviously just put on this sob story in order to get the soul for me. She stole the soul. And Lewis, like, what are you talking about? That's not true. Like, she wouldn't do that. And Larry's like, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where you had an argument and she cried and got her way? Which really is like, you know, everybody that happens to. So, like, this that's not really proof of anything. Uh, but she's like, well, you know, there was a couple of times where, like, you know, I want that half Chinese. She wanted to have Italian. And she did a whole, you know, song and dance and started crying. And, and you know, she got her way. Um, yeah. But, yeah, now, I mean, that, are these that's fake ha- criers? Is that a real job, you think? I don't think so. I didn't look into this, but yeah, I, I can't imagine people hire professional criers to come to funerals to like ham things up. That that would be. I mean, kind it of sounds fake to me, but I remember the first time as a child that I saw the Seinfeld episode where Kramer and Mickey go to become actors in medical school with diseases. And I just assumed for many years that that was fake until uh, my wife was in medical school. And she said, no, that's 100 percent a real thing. Okay, Professional mourning is a thing on Wikipedia. Hmm. Um, it says existed in Egypt, China and in the Bible. Um, modern practice. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. Uh, in popular culture, uh, an episode of Insufficient Praise of Kirby Enthusiasm, which is a girlfriend is a, prof- is a professional crier who places Larry in a number of predicaments. Very good. Um, okay, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't seem very widespread if it does exist. Um, okay, so we head back over to Larry's house and Larry comes in and he sees the new inflatable doll completely inflated and sitting on the couch. Uh, Matilda comes in and tells him she's done cleaning and she wants to know why is there a naked doll on the couch? And he well, tells I, I her, do love Matilda. The, th- the last thing she tells Larry right before she asks about the sex doll, she says, I just finished polishing your knobs. <laughs> that's very good very subtle good. little joke there yeah. very good yeah. um he says well i'm a collector of these types of dolls and they forgot to send the clothes she's yeah, like no, oh no. this is a classic curb like why is larry saying the sex doll is his at all like why is he lying to his own detriment like, what, what, he's just trying to cover for leon it just it doesn't make any sense say like, i have no idea i just walked in the house and saw this here i was gonna ask you what it was doing since you were here before me <laughs> which also by the way that makes no sense like why does larry walk into his house and the cleaning lady is already here on her first visit, like, did Susie give her, her the keys to Larry's house? Well, maybe maybe Leon let her in. OK, but then, you know, I don't know. It's just it, it, I, I, none of this. Seems like well, clearly Leon's around because we know Leon's the one that's sure. been, uh, keeping yeah. the doll occupied. So why is Larry lying to, to, to his own detriment? But again, he does that in curb all the time. He should. So. He should have just been like, I don't know. I have a disgusting house guest. Yes. 
Um, yeah, she compares it to American Girl, which uh, I guess mm. I got to return the uh, American Girl dolls are in my house because uh, that's not what I want going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matilda offers to clean the doll, but Larry stops her because God knows what's in there um, and tells Larry that if it's OK with him, she'd like to change her cleaning days from Tuesdays and Thursdays to Mondays and Wednesdays. And Larry's like, oh, we can't do that because those are Susie days and I have an agreement with her not to take her days. And she's like, well, I'm not going to work with Susie anymore. She's too vulgar. It's all F this, S that. And I'm done working with her. And Larry's like, well, so are you telling me that regardless of whether I take the days, you're not working with her? And she's like, yes. He's like, all right, then fine. I'll take the, I'll take Monday and Wednesday. And although it's, it doesn't make it clear that like she isn't willing to do continue doing Tuesday, Thursday, which obviously would just be safer for Larry to just be like, notwithstanding, I just want to like keep my days so that way um, there's no issue with Susie. Yeah. And yet again, and I do like that I had no recollection of having done a podcast about this previously when I watched the episode. <laughs> yeah. But now now they reminded me, I remember again, I think I talked to uh, on, on Akiva and Rob's podcast about like the, the faux pas of taking someone else's dates. It's not done. Yes, yes. You said uh, you said something like about how if, if, you're, if somebody did this to your wife, she would murder them. Yes. Dr. Jen, very protective of those days. Yes. Um, OK, so, yeah, Leon comes in and Larry's like, why did you blow up the doll? And Leon says, I just wanted to see what I was working with here. <laughs> and uh, Larry wants to know if he had has got an opportunity to get friendly with doll yet. Leon's uh, insulted, but Larry wouldn't put it past him. Uh, the doorbell rings and Larry tells Leon to get rid of it. Again, again, I'm going to leave the room. I'm just going to see what's in here. Yeah. Lewis comes in and he's like, well, thanks a lot. Uh, You did it again. I advised. uh, I did what you advised. And Carol broke up with me. Um, It's interesting. He doesn't do a whole uh, song and dance about how, you know, she was the one. (laughs) You know, know, you you ruined another relationship. Please stay out of my affairs. Uh, He then uh, notices the sex doll. And Larry says, her name is Sherry. And let me introduce her to you. Back over to Jeff's house, uh, where Susie is very angry at Larry, blames him for not keeping his word about Matilda. And Larry defends himself. He's like, listen, she thinks you're very vulgar. She was leaving you either way. Um, it had nothing to do with me, so it didn't really matter. Uh, Jeff is like, whatever, I don't really care about this. I just want to know, um, did she ever make these biscuits for you? And Larry's like, yeah, they're amazing. Um, so Jeff's like, all right, here's what you're going to do. Next time she makes biscuits, you're going to get a, grab a few. You're going to put some in a tinfoil for me. And when you're done with that, you're going to pick up my laundry and take it to the fluff and fold. Mm. Now, here's my issue with the scene. Like Susie is always bragging about how she's such a great balabus. Yeah. And now she doesn't know how to serve a couple snacks. Yeah. Balabusta is the, the, the gender correct. Uh, term. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. She's a balabusta. That's true. Um, so you had a yeah. for a, a person, a real uh, hostess. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it kind of doesn't really check out. Yeah, we've seen Susie prepare meals before. The, the idea that now, like, she's completely lost that, like, she has because she's having one person over, like, <laughs> doesn't really make sense. Um, but, yeah, she has no choice now. She's going to have to do the dishes herself. She's going to have to get pre-made salads from Metzler's. Um, it's going to be a disaster. Larry says, no problem. I can help. I'll clean the dishes. I'm a fantastic dishwasher because I can put my hands in boiling, scalding water and not feel yeah. a thing. The, because as everyone knows, the primary skill of being a dishwasher is toleration for hot water. Right. Because you can't that, just use like, you know, warm water and do the job. Yeah, it the, needs this to is be like, scalding hot. My mom always tried to convince me as a kid that I should become a surgeon. And her reasoning was because of the fact that I was a little low CD that I was always constantly washing my hands. Because as everyone knows, like the primary skill of the surgeon <laughs> is that you wash your hands. Yeah, no, no training required, no skill required. Yeah. Just you know, just be a, a rabid hand washer. Yeah. And meanwhile, by the way, the fact that Larry can tolerate extreme hot liquids on his skin, this raises questions about his coffee nose test. Maybe the coffee is hot. It's just that Larry right. can tolerate extreme hot temperatures on his skin, as he is, is bragging about here. Yeah, the famous questions: Do the uh, does the nose match the fingers? Mm, yes. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Jeff Jeff jumps in and uh, assumes correctly, I would say, that Larry has, in fact, never washed a dish in his entire life. He just once saw somebody do it and assumes that he could do it just as well. Mm. Larry then challenges him to put his hands under any run, hot run, any running hot water and he'll show him that he can he can tolerate the heat. And they, you know, they get into a back and forth yelling at each other about whether or not Larry does, in fact, have special hands. Yeah. Um, okay, so Larry then uh, and Jeff move over to talking about Clive and uh, Jeff lets Larry know that Clive heard his voice message and he believes it was insufficient praise. So shocking. So Ben Stiller backfired. Ricky Gervais backfired. Clive Owen, it's going to backfire again. Shocked. Jeff is shocked here. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
he tells him that, you know, Clive is coming over soon and you better do a, a good job this time of letting him know um, how much you love the show because he's, he's so far he's unhappy. Now, Clive is being a douche here, right? Like Larry's uh, praise is sufficient. It's for, it's sufficient. That and who cares? Well, yeah, obvious. Obviously, <laughs> even if it's not for Clive to bring it up is, is insane. Yeah, like you're a professional actor. You've been in movies. Like, well, you need like some schnook who like to say that like your show was okay. Was good. Yeah. And also, like you know, it's good. Like you saw the reaction from the crowd. Like, who cares if this guy liked it? Yeah. Uh, so Clive comes in. Uh, Jeff and Susie give him a big welcome, and he gives Larry a very quick, abrupt hi before sitting at the table. Susie tells him how moving the performance was. So I guess Susie went. Uh, Jeff went with Susie is separately another time, probably. Apparently, yeah. Um, yeah, poor Jeff has had to sit through this horrible show on multiple occasions. <laughs> uh, Larry then apologizes for his lukewarm praise over the voicemail, saying, you know, I've never I've always had an issue communicating over the phone. It's actually ruined a lot, ruined a lot of uh, romantic relationships for me. Um, and, you know, just like I was never able to express myself to my you know, girlfriends, I wasn't able to properly express myself over the phone, how much I really did like the show. Um, so Clive's like, OK, I understand. So, you know, you can you can tell me now. And Larry's like, well, you know, now it's like kind of like weird and awkward for me to do that. It's kind of like, you know, asking for an impression. Uh, he, he then immediately goes on to do his uh, Raymond Massey as Lincoln impression on command by from Jeff. So uh, once again, uh, stepping in it. Yeah, now, um, I had no idea who that was. So I, I, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Raymond Massey was a Canadian actor known for his commanding stage trained voice for his lead role in Abe Lincoln in Illinois in 1940. Massey was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. Yeah. All right. So we know at least two people have been nominated uh, for playing Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Uh, but um, la- Larry, with a um, with a reference that is uh, literally 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so um, they sit down to eat. Susie continues praising Larry, praising Clive. Uh, Larry bites into the sandwich and he basically like everyone has to stop down in the trash for Larry to like gush about how amazing the sandwich is. Yeah. Uh, and Clive's and like, well, obvious Seinfeld reference here. Now, that's genuine praise. What was the Seinfeld reference? Uh, Karen and Seinfeld reacting more positively to the risotto than to George's uh, attempts to pleasure her. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't I could... say a, an obvious Seinfeld reference. It, it reminds me of Seinfeld. I'm sure yes. that nobody in the room thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, Clive says, OK, it's obvious you didn't like the show. You didn't like my performance. And Larry's like, no, like praise like that is reserved for things like sandwiches and, and like other mundane things. <laughs> yeah, and risottos. Um, and Clive's like, do you even understand how hard it is to do a 90 per minute performance all by yourself? And Larry's like, yeah, I honestly, I can't imagine why anyone would do that. And uh, Clive now has had it. He gets up to leave and um, Jeff and Susie try to, you know, chase after him and call him to come back. And they are, are very angry with Larry. We now cut over to Ted's house where Lionel knocks on Ted's door uh, to deliver a package. And as he's signing for it, Lionel tells him. You're friends with Larry David, right? He's like, yes. He's like, well, I just want to let you know that he's fucking a sex doll. And he's like, how would you know that? And he says, well, I delivered a discreet packaging that says do not uh, puncture on it. And that's what those always are. Yeah. Uh, so Ted is uh, very intrigued by this. He, Everything uh, about had- this is completely insane. First of all, why is John Daly reporting Larry's Ted doll to Larry's doll to Ted? Like, why would he do this? Why would he go to te- why like why would he think that oh you're friends with this guy therefore you're gonna like the fact that I'm snitching on his like it it, it makes no sense at all if you knew that Ted hated Larry maybe but like he thinks of him as friends right yeah you said the same thing oh and then why does Ted go to Cheryl's house <laughs> to tell her that's also insane Ted's, uh, Ted's sex shaming is pretty awful he should be more sex positive like Freddie who gives a yeah. shit. Yeah, so it's funny. So like he tells he tells her at first that he's like, I just want to let you know your ex-husband is fucking a plastic doll, yeah. uh, which sounds bad. But then he went to like to drive home the point. He says he's sticking his penis into a balloon, which doesn't sound bad at all, because that's exactly what a condom is. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. You need to understand. He's sticking his penis into a balloon. I'm like, yeah, everyone does. That. Yeah, it's good contraception. Sex dolls um, can't get pregnant, right? <laughs> well, not if you use protection. Mm, yeah. Probably better to use a condom with the sex doll just for, for cleanup purposes. For cleanliness, yeah. 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 Both for yourself and for Sherry's sake. Yes. Show some respect for Sherry. Um, yeah. So um Larry now heads over to Carol's house and uh they, you know, explain exchange pleasantries. And uh, Larry says he's not gonna come in. Uh he's been thinking about the mink stole. She thanks him again, telling her how telling him how much it reminds her of her mother. 
And Larry says, you know, I've heard since then that you're a professional crier, which she should already know this, right? Because like she broke up with Richard. Allegedly. Yeah. This whole thing already happened. Yeah. So like she should already be in the loop that like Larry's probably going to confront her about it. Um, And I've been wondering, did I give the stole to the real Carol or to the professional crier? And he goes on to wonder what else she cried her way into. Maybe that couch, the coffee table, maybe even this house. Mm. Carol just, you know, now she loses it. She begins crying. Can't believe that Larry, would you think I, I, I was pretending to cry last time? And Larry's like not buying it. He looks into her eye, trying to, you know, gauge uh, her truth telling. And she slaps him and tells him to get out. He, uh, he does get out. He's, uh, he's driving home when he's stopped at a traffic light and Freddie Funkhauser pulls up next to him in his Porsche and tells him, you've created a real problem with Uncle Moke, introducing him to internet porn. Um, Uncle Moke probably thinks there's a bunch of uh, young ladies on the internet that want to meet him immediately and have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, on balance, introducing a man that old to the internet when he has no familiarity with it, probably not a mitzvah. Probably he's yeah. going to end up getting conned and scammed much more than yeah. that. Very overwhelming, potentially. Um, Larry was, you know, telling him, you know, he's trying to help him save money. uh, But, you know, Freddie says it's become a real problem. He's addicted. He's paying for chat rooms. Um, Larry tells him that uh, he'll fix it uh, and uh, don't worry about it. Um, Freddie wants to know if he's uh, given the sex doll a chance and Larry dries off. Not interesting. So, yeah, so we we uh, we head back over to Latte Larry's. Uh, where the contractor is showing his the new urinals to Larry. Larry is very impressed, and uh, he says he's going to go give it a try. Leon then walks in, and the contractor asks him to try it, but Leon tells him he can't. It's not deep enough. It was made for men with small Johnsons, but he has a big-ass Johnson. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Leon walks out with the contractor. Jeff then walks in and tells Larry that ever since his voicemail took live, he's lost all confidence and it's affecting his performances. The show is going terribly now. Hold on. You, you skipped uh, Leon's best line of the episode. Which is that? Sorry. I had a lady give me a wedgie with my own goddamn Johnson. <laughs> I missed that. I missed that. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you should have used that as your uh, opening line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not bragging and shit, but I had a lady give me a wedgie with my own goddamn Johnson. Um, Larry suggests, why don't we hire Lewis's girlfriend, Carol, who is a professional crier to come and maybe that'll help. And, you know, you know, crying can be contagious. If she starts crying, then other people will. And that could help uh, Clive with his uh, confidence issues. Uh, Jeff asks, looks over and is like, what the hell's going on here? And Larry says that my stout friend is a urinary revolution. Okay, um, back to the show. Uh, second time at the show. Um, so, yeah, so now Larry and Jeff are both going again. So now Je- Jeff has seen this, this show. Yeah. <laughs> God knows how many Listen, times. Listen, you want to represent Clive Owen. You got to put in the work. I guess, I guess. But now Larry's going a second time to see the show. I guess Larry said it was good. It looks terrible, but I guess people are liking it. Um, yeah, so, you know, Clive is performing. It doesn't seem to be going very well. The crowd is not into it. Uh, people who start to get distracted, focusing on other things. And he want, Jeff wants to know where, where Carol is. And Larry's able to spot her easily because she's wearing the easy to spot mink stall. Um, so, you know, she uh, she realizes it's her time to shine. So it's like a very to- risky thing to wear in uh, Hollywood. I feel like people would be pouring paint on you. Uh, yeah, I would think that happened uh, in Seinfeld, didn't it? Did it? Oh, paint? I don't remember. When uh, when Kramer's wearing it or doesn't he? Um, does some uh, I misremember. I don't know. Maybe I, I doesn't ring a bell, but I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, so she starts. Oh, wait, was crying. that Friends? There's some sitcom where somebody gets paint thrown on them for wearing a. Yeah, I mean it's it happens in a lot of sitcoms. Uh, I agree. There's a sitcom where that. Yeah, <laughs> that's as far as I'm willing to go at the moment. Um, so yeah, so she starts crying, and in fact, it works. Everyone around her starts to cry as well, and soon enough, the whole crowd is crying. And uh, Clive gets up. He get you know he uh, he has his mojo back. And he finishes the performance and gets a huge standing ovation as everybody cheers for him. Carol uh, goes out, is waiting outside, and Larry comes over to her and congratulates her for a wonderful performance. She tells him, well, Clive's performance was very special. And uh, Larry tells her that because of her performance, he's now more convinced than ever that she fleeced him from the coat and grabs it and tries to pull it off of her. 
as they're uh, fighting and pulling over the coat, a policeman comes by and wants to know what's happening. And they both give their side of the story. You know, Carol's crying, saying, you know, this guy is just trying to steal my coat. Then Larry cries to, uh, you know, fake cry as well. But uh, the cop's like, no, she's crying. You're not crying. I don't know what yeah. you're doing. Leave it to the professionals. Yeah. And uh, tells Larry to leave. Um, but, you know, she's uh, Larry tries to insist that she's he's being played, but uh, to no avail. Uh, Clive comes out and is like, hi, you're you you really inspired me. And she's like, well, it was a brilliant performance that moved me to tears. And, um, you know, they introduce each other and uh, seem to have hit it off. I laugh really hard, by the way, when uh, Clive says I'm Clive and Carol says, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, OK, back to Larry's house. Uh, Larry comes in. He's looking for Leon. He opens the closet door and he finds the sex doll. Yes. And he takes it back to the living room. He's like, Leon, I thought I told you to get rid of this. And Leon Third time says, now. Instead of yeah. just doing it himself. <laughs> yeah. Leon says it slipped his mind. Uh, Larry, you know, just blatantly accuses Leon of fucking the doll and thinks he probably even gave it a name, uh, which is weird because he's the one that gave it the name. But fine. Um, Leon, you know, denies this, but he's very angry that Larry wants to throw it away. And he storms out, not before saying goodbye to Sherry. See, like that line would work better if Larry hadn't named her Sherry early. Like if it was Leon now naming her Sherry. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know if they just like messed up the Out continuity order, here. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So he puts the he puts the doll on the couch and then in one of the most ridiculous scenes ever decides that the way that he needs to deflate this uh, doll is to to lean on it and, you know, basically straddle it and uh, hump it in order to, you know, yes, push, push all the air out of the doll. Um, of course, as he's doing it, Matilda, walks by the way, in. the obvious way to do this, you would just take scissors, right? Uh, right. Or a knife. Just like, right. You just yeah. Who it. cares if you're damaging it? Because your purpose is to throw it out. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Matilda walks in, calls him a pervert, says he's even more vulgar than Susie. Then, of course, Cheryl walks in, wants to know what he's doing and says, oh, my God, as she turns around. Uh, good thing the doll was named Sherry, not Cheryl. That would be uh, even, you know, imagine if she walked in and he was like going like, oh, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be disturbing. Um, so, yeah. So we uh, we end off at uh, Jeff's house where uh, Clive and everyone, Susie and Jeff, are all toasting to a wonderful performance uh, as they read the very positive review from Vogue magazine. And Clive offers Carol some more wine, but she tells him that she's a bit late to work and has to head out. And he wants to know what it is that she does. And she says she's a professional crier. Yeah, by the way, right before this in the scene, Clive says to Jeff, thank you for making it all happen. And I was confused. Like, what did Jeff make happen? He right, got Clive's show reviewed or like, yeah, unclear. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Clive is very confused. He uh, chases out, you know, first he, uh, yeah, he chases after Carol and wants to know if she fakes crying at the show. And she tells him, well, you know, it was part real and, you know, stars tries to give him a hug. Um, but like, he's, uh, he's not interested and he like kind of recoils and which sends the coat flying into the middle of the road. Um, Carol kind of hesitates deciding whether to go after it as she sees a truck approaching and she, she does like the classic wrong thing which is like wait and then go yeah. and then seemingly gets hit by a truck um, and uh, seemingly uh, joins her parents in heaven hmm. yeah end of uh, end of Carol it, the, the whole the whole final scene is a little strange to me like as soon as Clive asks like Jeff and Susie immediately make these faces like why would they think that he would think that Jeff had hired her? I mean, I mean, it turns out it's it's another a classic herb where like somebody makes an assumption that there's no reason to think, even though it happens to be correct. But um, right. yeah, um, yeah, we do. We do have one last uh, tagline tag here um, with Larry going over to Uncle Moke's house and realizing that the best place for this inflatable sex doll to live is with Uncle Moke mm. and tells him have this stay off the internets. Yeah. And uh, that ends insufficient praise. Yeah, and that's a happy ending for Uncle Mok and for everyone except for Carol. I will uh, damn this episode with sufficient praise. I will say it's fine. It has some good stuff. There's nothing particularly memorable. I think that Con Crier was like an attempted curb expression that didn't catch on, and I'm not really sure why. I would use it. I think Con Crier is good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, yeah, I don't want my, it. My kids engage in a lot of con crying. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what kids do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll get more of Larry's insane bathroom ideas later in the season. The sex doll stuff is funny. Um, Isla Fisher is a great performer, but I'm 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 whelmed by her performance. 
which I guess is how I feel about Clive Owen also. So um, sufficient praise, I think, for all of them. And I will say this episode is pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, uh, just below that meaty part of the curve. I'll give it a, I rank it 82nd out of the 106 episodes we've seen so far. So that's a two and a half? Two. Oh, two. Okay. Um, Even two. So yeah, so then you, you, you definitely are lower overall on this episode than you were last time when you said it was your favorite episode of the season to that point. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, definitely. So it could be that maybe some of the stuff like the, like the shocking of like the, you know, deflating the doll and some of the urinal stuff, like, um, you know, it was just funnier on the first time and less funny once, once you know, it's coming. Um, I was a little bit higher on this episode than you. Um, I'm going to say it is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, I, I did have a good number of laughs here, so I'll, I'll give it credit for that. Um, the, the, sto- the tying together the storylines is either very forced or non-existent. Like the whole sex doll thing doesn't really tie into anything. Um, it would be better if it's somehow like connected to Clive Owen in some way, but it's just like, it's basically two completely separate stories, um, which, you know, is not when Curb is at its best. Um, but, you know, I laughed enough to, to make this a solid episode. Mm. It is funny, though, how, uh, you know, and it shows the, the non-science behind our rankings that it was it was my favorite of the five episodes uh, two years ago. And now it is my uh, second to least favorite. The only one I have ranked lower is side sitting, I think, thus far through the first five episodes. Yeah. And, so, and side sitting we have as a, you know, a, a bottom f- two or three episodes. So, yeah. You know, so thank God it's still ahead of that. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, uh, maybe we'll have to do a, a, another rewatch and uh, we'll see how the rankings are go. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we're, we're, we're getting very close to the end. We have yeah. uh, five more episodes to go here. So, you know, a, uh, a full rewatch, uh, not out of the question. Got to figure something out. Yeah. Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. All yeah, right. Um, Av, who's your come with guy or gal? Um, I come with guys Leon here. Um, he's just absolute gold in this episode. I know he often is gold, but like he just has like three or four scenes where he just like nails every single line. Um, and he's a member of the Big Johnson Club. So, you know, you got to give him props for that. Hmm. So Leon, uh, he now breaks a tie with Cheryl and moves up in, and now is tied with Larry for second place all time. There you go. We, we suspected this would happen eventually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not not too much time remaining. So good job by Leon. This is. The first time since episode seven of last season, which is uh, season nine, not season 11, obviously, that you nominated him. I not, I gave it to Leon in the first episode of the season. My come with uh, neither a guy nor a gal, kind of a gal, is a come with doll. Mm-hmm. It's Sherry. She's DTF with anyone and everyone at all times. <laughs> she seems like a great friend. Yeah, well, you're assuming that. She hasn't said as much. That's true. She did not verbally give consent. That's uh, all right. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm still, I'm still going to give it. Uh, by the way, um, one thing I notice um, since, you know, you mentioned uh, how we predicted when Leon appeared that he would, uh, you know, eventually climb up the come with guy rankings. So if we look at only since since season six, in other words, since uh, he joined the cast. Right. So so he's had now had 12 in that time. And that's more than double anyone else. Or that is double. Uh, Larry has had six nominations. Funkhauser has had six nominations. Cheryl has had five. Susie's had five. Rosie O'Donnell has had four. Uh, Jeff, who's by far in the lead overall, has only had four since then. So he's really slowed down. And I mean, then, that, that Rosie O'Donnell number is fantastic. Given she's how many episodes is she in five in the whole yeah, series? She, she, we, well, she was in episode seven, episode five of season seven. And we both gave it to her and she was in episode seven of season eight. And we both gave it to her again. So, yeah, wow. she shows up. She gets out of the park. But um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She has as much as Jeff. And then Loretta has three and Shara has three. So those are all the people with more than two since season six. And so, yeah, again, Leon doubling the crowd and, and Jeff in particular, Jeff uh, had set, had 15 nominations in the first five seasons. And then in the last five seasons has a total of only four. So Jeff has really slowed down as Leon has basically uh, stolen the um, stolen the show from him. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So Leon uh, now tied with Larry for second all time behind Jeff. He's not going to catch Jeff because we don't have enough episodes left. But I think uh, Leon finishing in the top two or top three is appropriate uh, and incredible since he only showed up in season six. It's like uh, when I do my all decade teams, it's like when uh, LeBron James shows up in 2005, but he's still good that he still makes the uh, all decade team with only half a yeah. decade of work. This is like the uh, it's the apex mountain who won the show and like the who's the the, the guy who comes off the bench and scores a lot of points. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot which player it is. Uh, Deion Waiters. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's Sherry the Sex Doll. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Fucking asshole. Um, you know, there's a lot of options here. I think uh, Clive is a baby, uh, but ultimately he's more of a doofus than an asshole. Lionel, the mailman, he's a snitch. He violates postman recipient confidentiality. 
the people at the restaurant are huge assholes, like who object to the, the heating lamp. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's just insane asshole behavior. But Carol uses her skills for evil. We've only seen a little bit of the evil in this episode, but the path of destruction that this con artist has wrought is probably long and deep as Larry surmises with <laughs> countless lives ruined. So to me, uh, Carol is the fucking asshole. Yeah, I'm right there. Countless lives ruined is correct. Uh, yeah, Carol is horrible. Con, the con crying, the, you know, stole the stole, uh, stole the stole. makes up a fake story about her parents' death in order yeah. to steal the soul. Although Larry right. should appreciate that because Larry invokes, you know, made up deaths of parents and grandparents. <laughs> right. That's true. So, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, he likes he likes to be on the giving end. He doesn't like to be on the receiving end. Mm, yeah. Or would you stop with the Ted dance? <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> much, much worse. All right. Uh, we have a number of cameos in this episode. We have Vince Vaughn uh, making his first appearance as Freddie Funkhauser. We have Isla Fisher, but they both are playing characters. Mm-hmm. We have Clive Owen playing himself. I don't think that Clive Owen is in the Ted Dancing Club. Like, he's a recognizable actor, but I don't think he's super famous. Like, do your parents know who Clive Owen is? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And he, like, doesn't have that, like, touchstone performance that you would like associate with him i don't think we're like you could just say like oh he's the guy from x and everyone was like oh right clive owen yeah the first thing i think of is closer what's your first clive owen film? um i would probably think of inside man mm. but but like yeah like there's no like dominant performance that like you associate with him um he's also british so he loses points for that clive owen uh he's an actor on imdb uh children of men what are his what's his top four um Let's see. We have. Oh, right. He just I, I, I was thinking where I just saw him. He plays Clinton in the uh, American crime story about the Monica Lewinsky story. He plays Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's a compliment um, on Wikipedia. It says he, oh, he, he first gained recognition uh, and then he received critical acclaim. And yeah, it doesn't really give up. Yeah. The ones it mentions are um, Sin City, Derailed, Inside Man, Children of Men and the International. Yeah, his, top, his, his IMDb is Children of Man, Closer, Inside Man, and Gosford Park. Well, where do you see this? I don't see this on, on IMDb. On IMDb, which says known for. Every actor, it has four. It's their top four. Um, I'm on known for his art known house for. films. No, there's like a sec. There's photos and then known for. And it shows four things for everybody. Before, before oh, filmography. He is best known to film audiences for his work in Children of Men, Closer, and his no, not not the bio. Then it says born. Then it says contact info. Then it says photos. And then it says known for. And it has four pictures of movies. Oh. Um, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Children of Men, Closer, Inside Man, and Gossip yeah. Park. So yeah. every every person on IMDb has a top four. Hmm. And who decides this for? Or that's the point. It's sort of. I, a, I don't know how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I don't, I, I don't know I don't how. Think I don't think I've even seen Children of Men. Oh, oh, you should. It's excellent. What What is that about? It's like a post-apocalyptic thing where oh, where everybody only have one child or something. No, people can't. People like, can't, can't have children. Have, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I remember this. Um, I mean, I, I remember having heard, but not having seen. It. <laughs> yeah, no, it's real. It's very, very good. Uh, mm, directed yeah. by Alfonso Cuarón. Um, has has one of the most famous long tracking shots of like the last twenty years. Really, mm. will it make me cry? Um, maybe it's very. It's a very moving movie. Mm, okay. Uh, is it time for the postman? It sure is. Postman! Postman, come here! here Tell the neighborhood! What a shanda, Larry! Uh, uh, Larry David! You you are a lousy Jew! But you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! A shanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Jew! We start off this week with... Svireps, who says, hope I'm not too late for this brief feedback. Come with guy. Just give it to Leon for the first scene alone and the anchovies line, which kills me. Fucking asshole of the week. Gotta be Isla's professional crier. She's a professional crier, not a professional liar. Am I right? Uh, please change it to the truck driver of Isla Fisher is your special guest this week. He wrote that in parentheses, but I decided to read it out loud. Uh, and he gives the episode three and a half readings out of five. There were many lines and things that made me laugh, even if I didn't love the stolen stole pot line. Next up is John Gormley, who says, hello, Postman, another winner for Curb Season 10. The professional crier storyline couldn't come up at a better time than the Amber Heard trial going on. Oh, what's that? The Amber Heard trial. I was. She's the one who was married to Johnny Depp. 
and she alleged yeah, abuse, what, then he sued her. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's no, I I, I heard uh, that. Like, uh, right. Uh, I just didn't know what the oh. So she be meaning that because she pretended to be abused. Is that the is that the idea? I, here? I guess that's the allegation. I, I don't know enough about what's going on there. Yeah, my wife was just telling me about this last night. I hadn't really been following it, but apparently she accused him of abuse, and then he got canceled. And now, do you know who Eve Barlow is? Yeah, I, on she, Twitter. I've seen her on Twitter. Yeah, she's yeah, like. So oh, she, She's involved because she's good friends with Amber Heard or they don't. Yeah. So it's a uh, weird. I don't know. Yeah. I, I only know her from Twitter. I don't know who that is, really. Yeah. She's a, uh, like a Scottish music Israel person. I don't know. Yeah. Got it. Oh, OK. Yeah. I think I've seen her like she's like pro Israel. I think I've seen her tweet about Israel. But she, she's very pro Amber Heard and very anti, uh, you know, she's a strong spokesperson for uh, victims of abuse, which, which Got I it. is a good thing. Although in, it seems like in this case, that might be Johnny Depp, not Amber Heard. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not making any. Uh, uh, I'm not opining at all on this case. That, that is what I gathered, but I, I haven't yeah. paid attention to it all. Um, he says the introduction of Freddie Funkhauser answers one or two previous Marty plot holes with regards to his mother. In a season four episode, Marty revealed his mom died a year ago. But then in season six, there's a whole episode dedicated to his mom's death. Hmm. Um, OK, yeah, fair. Um, the fact that Freddie is his half brother implies his father split from Marty's mom and remarried, thus making it plausible. There were two women Marty referred to as mom. Oh, that could be. Yeah. Uh, Freddie doesn't. Fit I mean, the in, in my mind, it was more that um, Marty's dad just had an affair. Oh, that could be. That could be. Uh, however, Freddie doesn't fit into the puzzle where Marty is referred to as his father's only son in the season four episode, The Five One. The only way I can get this to work is if Funkhauser is the last name of Marty's original mother and father before marriage. Maybe a bit of incest might explain the Bam Bam situation. Yeah, we we uh, we picked up on that, too. Then Marty's mom remarried a different Funkhauser and had Freddie with him. Mm. This is the lady to refer to as dead in season four. While, Mar- while Marty's dad marries Ida Funkhauser, explaining why Freddie was not at that funeral because she would have been neither his mom nor his stepmom, which is also before Bam Bam was released from the mental institution. Hence why she is also absent from that funeral. If there is this much depth to the Funkhauser family tree, I thank Larry for making me think so much about it. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, I suspect there's much, much loss. <laughs> Come with guy is Uncle Mo, who will become a young Larry, a young Larry character next season for getting a whole world of opportunities delivered to him with internet and dolls, which he probably always dreams of. Yeah, but it's Uncle Mo, not Mo. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, fucking asshole is the postman. Secret deliveries should remain secrets. A solid four pretties out of five. William Blake writes, hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and I've ruined another woman for you two. <laughs> Come with gal is Sherry. She was there for Leon when he needed her most and will provide an old man with a stable companion in his twilight years. Fucking asshole is Clive. What a Hollywood baby. Even more than Ted Danson. Two and a half pretties. Eh, I like the mailman, the Funkhausers with the blow up doll, but the insufficient praise crying aspect fell flat. Mm. Jim Crumley writes in and says insufficient praise is another average curb episode. Clive Barker was forgettable in the big guest star spot. If he wasn't named Clive, would he even be less memorable? Vince Vaughn coming onto the show with the sex doll subplot seems like something that would not have been up Marty's alley. Are we sure that Freddie was taking Marty's spot? Um, yeah, I agree. That would be a we- very weird Marty's plot line. I don't think that would have worked at all. Um, he gives the episode three pretties. Come with guy Freddy. He tries to do Larry a strange solid and to keep Uncle Moke out of trouble. Fucking asshole is Carol the Crier. Kudos to her for being such a good manipulator. Oh. Zach Brooks says this was an insufficient episode that was two or three very separate stories, but I did love seeing the Wedding Crashers reunion, even if Vince Vaughn and Isla Fisher didn't seem to share any screen time together. Good point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. Feels like they could have tied two stories together by having the sex style look either like Carol or Cheryl after having one of them walk in on it. Instead, mm. it didn't really fit with the episode. He gives That's it good. two That's and a half. Cool. Yeah. Come with guy. He's the contractor for building the P cube contraption. The fucking mass asshole is the mailman for breaking confidentiality. Yeah. And finally, Owen what about Thomas- wait? What about the, the John Earl email? What? John Earl. Hello, Alex and Oz. You've, I'm a new listener to your podcast. I just started a few months ago because I was looking for a new podcast and Curb is one of the best shows on TV. I found yours and I've enjoyed every episode since. I have even re-listened to multiple seasons while I do work or play video games because frankly, it's that good. Um, but then his, his email is about the the video that... Um, oh, the Apple thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is I, this was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about it. Well, that. we haven't recorded a podcast since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he uh, he wanted to know if we had... Uh, I think we, we talked about the... Uh, the Apple commercial. We, we, we never did an episode about it. Um, so he suggests that we should do an episode about the uh, the Apple video. So maybe yeah. we will one day. Yeah, I mean, but we, we did. We did. We didn't do a whole episode, but we did discuss it. I don't remember which episode it was. If anyone yeah, knows, a, let us a know. While, let John a, know. 
a while back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just kind of listen to every episode and then you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. Well, whenever it first emerged uh, on the Internet or, yeah, or, we, or reemerged. Yeah. We covered it around that time for sure. Yeah. OK. And then finally, we end off with Owen Allen, who says, I am the opposite of finding crying contagious if theatrical or cinematic events tend to have to hold in my laughter. Happened that Hamilton when the lady next to me went off during one of the sister songs. Even more so did myself and my wife having to hold ourselves together and not burst out laughing when a person in front of us had a big cry during 12 years of slave. Don't know if that would be better or worse than snogging during Schindler's List. <laughs> With the Australian soap neighbors usually dominant creating Hollywood and musical stars. Nice to see Isla Fisher from the other major Aussie soap home and away make a breakthrough. I will say her Australian accent really uh, broke through a few times here. She did not do a great uh American accent here, which is strange because she's played Americans plenty of times. times. Yeah. Um, He says Clive Owen was good fun in his role, but I think he feels a little bit short for the Ted Danson Club. We agree. And he gives the episode three and a half pretties. He says the come with gal is Sherry, keeps herself in good shape, Mm. doesn't talk back and happy to be passed around. (laughs) The fucking asshole is the postman for clear breach of the postman code while goofing while going around in those shorts. (laughs) Well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. Okay, so in terms of our episode rankings, we have a average score from the audience of 3.17, which is the 67th ranked audience episode with your two and my three. That drops a little bit down to a 2.72, making it the 83rd overall episode of Kirby Enthusiasm thus far. 82, that's exactly where I had it, so... 83, 83. 83. Oh, okay. All right. Close enough. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. All right. Well, next week, we uh, get the surprise party. I got to say, from the name, it doesn't remind me in particularly of anything. And we've obviously had quite a few uh, surprise parties uh, on Curb, usually ruined by Larry showing up late or something like that. Um but I'm looking and I see that Rebecca Romaine will be on next week's episode. And I can tell you that in the 90s, if you had asked me to rank her, I would have said that she was certainly. Pretty, pretty, pretty.